Hello, and welcome to the Two Strangers, One NFT podcast. I'm your co-host, Quesarito. And I'm Omega. This episode, we're going to be doing a deep dive, or maybe not a deep dive, but a kind of overview of how blockchain can help revolutionize the healthcare system. There's a lot of new technology coming out and a lot of new applications, but it's going to be slow to start in so far as implementation. So we have access to a bunch of research here. We found a Deloitte white paper where there was a idea competition from the U.S. Health and Human Services uh, Department. And they said, how can blockchain help healthcare? And Deloitte won out of, I think, 75 uh, submissions. On top of that, there's a few companies coming out uh, targeting specific aspects of the healthcare field and all that stuff. So we've got a little outline of going over all this stuff, but as usual, we'll see what rabbit holes we go down as we talk. And so that's going to be what's coming in store for this episode. But first, how are you doing today, Omega? Yeah, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's been a busy couple of weeks, so uh, apologies to everyone for for missing an episode or, or two in between, but... Yeah, life's been busy, work's been busy, family's been busy. You know how it is sometimes, life just gets in the way. How about you? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, actually, I'll have to take the hit on, on last week because uh, I came down with a sickness, uh, probably COVID. It sounds like I didn't get tested, but picked up one of my housemates from uh, the airport. She was in Mexico and uh, she was coughing and sneezing the whole half hour drive back. And so over the next couple of days, I caught whatever she caught. Uh, so while I was sick, I couldn't speak. So on our normal recording day, I literally said maybe 10 words all that day and a couple of days afterwards. So uh, being sick and still recovering from my surgery and physical therapy, um, it got me thinking a lot about this healthcare topic of how could we use crypto and blockchain tech to kind of fix the healthcare system? Because I was running into a bunch of issues with insurance and dealing with authorizations and all this craziness and you know particular people wanting these forms, those people wanting that forms. And I was like, guys, if I could just give you access to all my records, that would be really nice. So you can just pick and choose what you need. Um, so that's what got me into thinking about this topic. And I was very surprised with uh, how deep this, this all went. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it seems like there's a lot of stuff out there already. And I know we've spoken about it in previous episodes around how crypto and NFTs will only really become a thing when it's in use and you don't know about it. Mm-hmm. But it seems like that's already a thing in in healthcare, which is which is nice to see. I mean, there's a whole bunch of companies that are, are doing things now. They're not going to be your typical companies where they ask a hospital to join a Discord server mm-hmm. um, and and have a chat in there. Like they're, they're they're solid companies that are that are running large scale projects and and very innovative, innovative even and creative ideas mm-hmm. and pushing some cool tech out there. Yeah, because I mean, there's a lot of capabilities that blockchain could enable in so many aspects about healthcare. And, you know, I'm not familiar with healthcare personally, uh, to the extent that uh, some of my friends do. So chatted with a couple of them, shot some ideas, but there is certainly a divide between healthcare workers and professionals focusing on just healthcare and fixing people and getting them better. And then crypto people, uh, there's this huge gap. So it's very rare to find anyone in the medical field as deep into crypto as they are into the healthcare field. And that's one of the huge kind of drawbacks, uh, or I guess you could say roadblocks to implementing all this blockchain tech that could fix a lot of healthcare problems. Yeah, I think I think it's super interesting because here in the UK, the healthcare system is very, very different to, to what you guys have in, in the States. 
And mm-hmm. I think it's it's fair to say that the states drives their healthcare on on profitability, mm-hmm. where the the UK does it on kind of how many people can we help? Um, it might take a year to get some help, but we will help you, and there'll be no no bill at the end of it. I think there's a happy medium somewhere between mm-hmm. the two. Um, I for one don't necessarily see the NHS or the UK healthcare system being at the forefront of of technology. I th- I think we would probably be 20 years away from ever leveraging anything <laughs> like blockchain technology, but I can for sure see see businesses and, and hospitals and things in the States leveraging this. And in, in fact, in the research, it, it seems predominantly US focused on, on some of these things. I wonder if that's because of the, the cost to it um, or just the money that they have available to to improve Kind of their the mm-hmm. time to heal or TTH as we're, we're going to call it here for for their patients. I'm not, I'm not too sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're certainly right. The, the the U.S. healthcare system has very different uh, motives and reasons to be. Um, a lot of it is going to be involved with how doctors are kind of graded on performance. I think in the U.K., I think the stat I saw was like, I think uh, patient health outcome is a huge statistic that they they follow for the doctors. I think it was like. I forget. I remember seeing there were 95% of it or something, but it was kind of like, uh, how healthy is the patient in the long run versus in the US? It's more of how many patients can you get through uh, and how much profit are, are you making for the hospital uh, insofar as getting these people fixed. So it's in the US, I think it's easy to say it's not really a healthcare system, it's a sick care system because no one sees a doctor unless something's wrong. And, you know, I, I have my own philosophical views about it. Personally, I've never had to spend a dime on healthcare. I'm very lucky. I'm in one of the few healthcare systems in the U.S. that is truly single payer in the form of TRICARE. So I had a $40,000 surgery a few months ago, and I didn't have to pay a cent. Unfortunately, if I was in any other profession or field, I would have had to eat that cost. And I think the stat was like 70% of bankruptcy in the U.S. are due to medical bills. I personally think that's like a little messed up. So on yeah, top of it's pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah. On top of pharmacies, I mean, since it's profit motive, I mean, your ideal product as a pharmacy is to have a profitable pill that people have to take for the rest of their lives and it never gets them better. <laughs> the core issue is never resolved, but it just takes care of the symptoms. So it's kind of symptom-based healing rather than the actual underlying problems. And yeah, I, I can see this being very controversial topic, obviously, <laughs> but we're going to focus more on how blockchain tech can help alleviate a lot of these middlemen, these inefficiencies. Uh, I think the stat was that the U.S. Uh, ingests 75% of the world's medications, even though they're only 5% of the world population. I don't know about the accuracy of that stat, but my intuition tells me that that's relatively close to the truth. <laughs> I don't know. What do you think? It probably sounds about right. I mean, when you've, we can all read stories on online, and obviously you need to vet the sources that you're reading from. But I've certainly read stories where doctors are being paid to promote tablets to give to their to give to their their patients, right? And it's like, oh, you got a headache? Here, have this five hundred dollar pill that you're going to take for the rest of your life for insulin mm-hmm. shots shots at a thousand dollars a go. You know, yeah. it would be cheaper to buy drugs off the street yeah. than, than be treated for anything. I mean, oh, yeah. heaven forbid you need an ambulance. It's what, $5,000 for for an ambulance? And, and people wonder why they get taxis. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's somewhere between five and 8000 I think. 
<laughs> yeah, it's 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 madness when you think you can get on a plane and go on a nice holiday for the cost of getting in an ambulance for six minutes or whatever mm-hmm. to get some health care. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's a really sad situation um, that, that the states have. Um, but, hey, we're not here to talk about healthcare reforms in in that perspective <laughs> as if it's a black chain in in healthcare and i think some of the things and I, I know you got some some notes on this that that kind of stood out to me is is more around kind of enhanced data security kind of improved interoperability between the, the systems so by that i mean the data exchange between healthcare providers um kind of streamlining that administrative process and and, and reducing costs there I think we've all experienced, regardless of the country that we live in, if you, you go to one doctor and then you move house or you move across to a different country, they have no records of any previous kind of medications you've been on or, or healthcare that you've received. And, mm-hmm. and if they do get something, then it's going to take them weeks or months to, to receive that and be able to digest that information in a, in a super easy way. And I think those three key areas for me stand out the most uh, and kind of is the, tends to be the running theme of crypto around that enhanced data security and any ability to, to kind of transfer that, that data much, much quicker. Mm-hmm. What, what about you? What, what's kind of standing out to you from what you've seen so yeah. far? That, that was actually one of my first uh, topics that came to mind. I think that's one of the primary value propositions of putting the healthcare systems uh, onto the blockchain. So I don't know if you're familiar with it, but are you familiar with the uh, Chubby Emu YouTube videos? No, I'm not familiar oh, with Chubby they're, Emu. They're, they're the best. I mean, when I want to get a, a little med- a med- kind of medical information fix and learn a little more about how the human body works, I love watching this Chubby Emu videos. Essentially, uh, this guy, he's a doctor. He takes cases that are pretty unique and interesting and faddish. So like, you know, Tide Pod, that Tide Pod challenge, it's like this is why you're gonna die from Tide Pod. Um, <laughs> he, he basically dram, dram, dramatizes it, or however that word is, and gets some friends and actors to act out the scenarios while he's explaining the science behind it and the, the nomenclature and the meaning of the words, like you know, hemodialysis or whatever the whatever the fancy words are. But one of the common themes in these videos is these patients present to the emergency room. And they're unconscious and no one knows any idea why, how, the patient history, nothing. And so they're just making their best guesses until they can figure it out maybe days later while this person's dying. Uh, So it creates a lot of stress for these emergency room uh, workers and doctors. And one of the propositions that you can make is, well, if you had this system where an entire patient's medical history is on a public ledger, and that's the main value proposition of the blockchain, is if this information is a public ledger that they have access to, they don't have to worry about the patient being unconscious or lying about the history or forgetting it or not having the medical terminology to explain what they've been through, which could make a huge difference in how these doctors and emergency room workers would treat the problem. Uh, one example, it could be, you know, if uh, someone had had some kind of bariatric surgery, you know, they, they got their stomach reduced or they're on some medication that completely changes the treatment. Uh, I'm not a doctor, so I, I can't actually make good examples for this. But you can imagine a scenario where a particular medication someone's taking uh, would counteract the treatment that they would typically use. And so they, if they just had that information, they would be able to give the proper treatment right away and they wouldn't have to worry about uh, any of that. Uh, I, have you ever, okay. 
I was just say, when you say kind of on a public ledger, do you, do you mean that anyone could log in so somebody could see if I'm on antidepressants or my erectile dysfunction tablet <laughs> or whatever, do you know? Or when yeah. you say public ledger, do you mean only to healthcare professionals? Yeah, so that that's where the uh, Deloitte paper kind of comes into play. They, they've put a lot of thought into all this, uh, which I think is just an amazing framework. I think that I think we should certainly use. It makes a lot of sense to me. But basically, you'll have two types. You can think of it as like a layer one healthcare information and a layer two healthcare information. The layer one uh, healthcare information could be just basic statistics that are not uh, tied to any PII, personal identifiable information, or PHI, personal health information, or private health information. So that could just be stuff like your age, your weight, um, you know, race, if that's like a thing, they, they have a whole list of stats that could be on um, just like generic information, kind of what this patient was treated for, and it's connected to your kind of patient code. And so as long as no one knows your patient code, they can't identify you, or maybe it doesn't even have to be identified, it could just be like a research statistic. And so that's a whole topic that we can go down is helping research with all that public data on a public ledger. But then the layer two would be the private health information. So that's where you can you can store the uh, information about your erectile dysfunction and your antidepressants and all that, <laughs> where you as a patient control your health information and who has access to it. So in so, a lot of uh, medical systems, or at least the one that uh, I work with on, on my side is there are, you have a, you have a case and within that IT system, it does a timestamp of who saw the information, who logged in to view your stuff, what exactly they saw, and what time did they see it. So you can imagine a, a system where you have a particular portal stored on this layer two encrypted blockchain that only you have access to. And then you can input, say you have a healthcare provider ID. And so you can copy paste that healthcare ID, say, yep, they have access to all this information. And only they can, with their particular key, access your private healthcare information. And so you can expand on that as well. Uh, you think we know that Facebook and all these social media companies and Google are selling your healthcare information to researchers, advertisers, and whatnot, and you don't get a single cent from any of that. This system would allow you to say, yeah, I'll, I'll sell my information to researchers and advertisers and get a piece of the pie of however much it's worth. I think it's the stat was for like a 65-year-old woman, her healthcare information is worth like, I don't even know, somewhere between ten and 15,000. I, I think I'm just pulling numbers out of my ass. <laughs> it's been a while since I saw those numbers. But like, you know, a 65-year-old woman's healthcare information is worth a lot more than a 22-year-old healthy, you know, kid's healthcare information. So that's something that like, you know, what, what are your thoughts on that kind of idea? Yeah, I think I think it's cool. I mean, I, I'd potentially even say take it one step further and stick a microchip in me. That's my wallet. <laughs> And then mm -hmm. if I'm laying on a bed in the ER room, they just run a scanner over the bit that says scan here or a tattoo on my arm or something. And then it just instantly <laughs> loads all of my medical data so they can just quickly <laughs> scroll through it all. I think that would be really cool. And, and it yeah, is. Having, having that private, public kind of central database of, of all things sickness and, and whatnot related to you, I think is is super important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah. think it, I, I think it could only be a positive. Um, I mean, if I, I don't know what could be some of the negatives of somebody accessing your 
your healthcare information apart from not offering you a job and, and kind of discriminating against you. Let's say they hacked my RFI microchip in my arm mm-hmm. as I was walking down the street. Like, does it really matter? Yeah, well, I, I would say that we could probably modify that a little bit. Uh, so in, in my healthcare system, we have uh, common access cards. I, I know that's something that you're familiar with. It's basically like an ID card that has a special microchip in it. Um, and that allows you to get access to particular encrypted and private websites. Is that is that a te- technology you're familiar with? Uh, not not in our healthcare system, not that I'm aware no. of, no. But okay. So, with so, the concept. so on my end, uh, so I've got uh, my basically my ID. It has a smart chip on it. So I go onto a computer. I have a smart card reader. I stick it in there. I go to my patient portal. I type in my PIN, and I'm the only one who has access to this. Uh, and then I can view all of my healthcare records in that one portal. And anyone in the system can, can any doctors uh, who have special access can, can see this as well. But it would be a thing where you would have like a healthcare ID. So like part of your insurance card or what have you uh, has this microchip and that gives you access to a thing. Well, you can also enable that technology to get access to blockchain uh, websites. Uh, I, I don't know. I would imagine that would be fairly easy to do in my mind. It's just a, a special type of login. But I'm, I can imagine a scenario where you're in the emergency room, you're unconscious, and, but you have your wallet with you, and they just go through your wallet and see that you, they got your healthcare ID, and they just stick it in the computer, the smart card reader, and the emergency room doctors have special permissions to do emergency override so that they have access to your entire patient portal. So while you're sitting there unconscious, they say, hey, you're dying, we need access to your healthcare information so we don't do the wrong treatment. And now they just take your card, put it in, hit the ER doctor override because their card has that special permission to have that capability. And now they have access to all your information so they can give you the proper treatment and not, you know, accidentally kill you because they didn't realize you're on XYZ pill that would counteract the typical treatment for whatever you're in for. Yeah, I, think, I mean, I think it's a great idea. I, I, I still think it'd be cool to have a microchip, but sure, go with something in, in your wallet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess you just bump into someone on the train and they just like have like a scanner and they just get your chip yeah. and I don't I'll know. Just tattoo a QR code on my arm to scan yeah. my QR code. <laughs> just have access to all your health information. Like, wow, how's that ED treatment going for you? <laughs> yeah, this dude has a lot of Viagra on his file. It's weird. Wow, like that's a lot of Adderall. Is he really taking all that? <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine that'd be a scenario for, like, you know, gossip TMZ type scenarios. Like, Oh, wow, Tom Cruise has erectile dysfunction. What? <laughs> yeah, guess which celebrity we've scanned this week. Yeah, it would be violating so many laws right then and there. I'm pretty sure TMZ would get sued immediately for posting that information. <laughs> oh, 100%. 100%. Yeah. But I, I think you're absolutely right. And I think that that time to heal, as I, as I called it out at the start, that would improve that massively, like that trial and error of of what's going to work, what's what is going to like all of that sort of stuff. When seconds count, being able to quickly access that information about you um, mm-hmm. is hugely beneficial. And yeah. yeah, so I don't see any any bad things for that. And and with that data on that central place, it it does mean that anyone in any region of any part of the world, if this was a truly central kind of global initiative, it wouldn't matter mm-hmm. where you lived or what country you're in, if you're going to get the same same information given to the people that are looking after you. Yeah, uh, that, that was like the, the second huge value proposition I saw when I was going over kind of this paper and thinking about it was, you know, one of the big 
issues with at least the American healthcare system. I don't know how it is with NHS, but it's the opacity of how much healthcare actually costs. Like the price of a particular pill or a particular procedure can vary very widely based off where you get it, uh, in what form, what insurance you have. So there is no way to really analyze cost. But with that kind of idea of a layer one public facing you know, information, they could say, uh, this patient with these details got this procedure done and it cost this much. And this insurance company paid for this much and this patient was charged this much out of pocket. And I think that alone would completely just upend and clean up the entire healthcare industry right there and then, <laughs> to be honest. Like, can you imagine? I say, okay, I need a, let's say I need to get my appendix removed and I'm living in, you know, uh, let's say LA. And then I just go on the side, like, okay, should I go forward with this or not? And I see, oh, well, in New York, this health insurance company made this person pay this much, this hospital charged this much, that hospital charged this much, but now spread that internationally. So say there's a doctor in Argentina that's done this procedure a hundred times. They've got good reviews. Um, they've got educational videos. They, you know, there's some that you can trust that can do the job, but he's only going to charge $3,000 for it because of the difference in cost of living and how much it would, you know, in Argentina, $3,000 would go a long way. So it's like, all right, do I do it $30,000 in LA or do I do it $3,000 in Argentina? And I think that's where things get really crazy. Yeah, well, that's when you start creating healthcare holidays, don't you? But I don't know, this is this is where kind of my region of the world is, doesn't even create that mindset for me of why, like paying, paying for healthcare. I'm very much going, it's bonkers that you have to pay for healthcare. <laughs> Everyone should just get free healthcare like why should we discriminate between one person right. compared to the other if you break your arm why should that bankrupt you um mm-hmm. i know it's very it's a whole different conversation but yeah the, the fact yeah. that we're even having to talk about a subject that means is it cheaper for me to fly to a different country stay there for two weeks have a nice holiday and then have my brain fixed mm. like than going down to the doctor at the end of my road in the country that i live in it's just mental to me yeah it, it really is it really shows how dysfunctional the system is in the u.s and i, I share the same mentality because i had never had to pay anything for healthcare, so i've developed the same mentality i'm like it's happened it's possible <laughs> it's within the realm of possibility so why isn't it like that uh, but yeah that, that just goes down that rabbit hole <laughs> middlemen and people using using death and sickness is profit motive but yeah, yeah, good old big pharma huh? good old big pharma and, and big food too but that that's a whole different conversation entirely <laughs> <laughs> but this is one of the reasons why a blockchain could really help with that entirely so i mean if the u.s wants to stick to private health care and not have a single payer system like they do for their military and what they do for the elderly and what the uk is able to do for everyone <laughs> You know, it, it's still relatively feasible if you implement some of these blockchain technologies. But that's one of the biggest hurdles that they identified was there is no incentive for these healthcare systems to adopt these technologies for these very reasons. If you're able to research, you know, see how much a procedure actually costs and how much people are willing to charge and how much insurance you know compensates. Uh, on top of that, you also have all these different networks scattered all throughout the U.S., you know. We've got Kaiser Permanente, we've got Scripps, you know, we've got Dignity Health, we've got all these different hospital networks with all these different agreements with 
all these different insurance companies and they're all charging different prices and it's just absolutely absurd and makes people a lot of freaking money <laughs> because it's so chaotic and opaque yeah i mean it's just a a crazy crazy place a crazy crazy place but one of the other one of the other things moving away from from that is is kind of around the clinical trials and and mm-hmm. research so another one of the positives of, of blockchain is the very fact that it's immutable um, mm-hmm. and so by immutable it, it means it can't be changed basically so everyone would have kind of access to this really integral and, and authentic data to, to work from from for everyone which i think mm-hmm. would be be really interesting and in having that decentralized kind of shared area for for research to happen i mean if you if you think there must be thousands or tens of thousands of researchers out there wasting their time because somebody in the us has actually already solved it and it's going through peer review or, or whatever and then you've got the argentinian guys in your example <laughs> that haven't seen that or are completely unaware of that research and they're starting from zero Mm-hmm. Whereas, in fact, if they all had access to the latest clinical trials that are going on in anywhere in the world and the latest, most up-to-date research that's been completed, then the new work that they do can kind of take on that journey further down the line rather than starting at, at the very beginning um, mm-hmm. and, and having it fully immutable and can't be destroyed or, and, and whatnot gives it that authenticity and, and kind of trustworthiness. Um, yeah, as it were. yeah, hundred percent. I mean, just this how much it would help with medical researchers would just be absolutely insane. So, in in the Deloitte paper, they mentioned this standardized data set that you can use a public facing one that doesn't have any PII, no PHI, but you can include demographics like gender, date of birth, other data, medical histories, the immunizations, procedures that people got, and the services rendered. You know, vital signs, services performed, other data. And all that information, I mean, we've got AI tools that can just scour just through millions and millions of bits of data. But if it's all in one place, in one layer one, and all these hospitals all around the world are presenting this standardized data set, oh, this amount of insights that the AI tools could could garner from all that information would just be absolutely just astronomical. And I think in terms as far as like, you know, recently with the global pandemic, I mean, if it's publicly available information, then any person in their basement can just go onto the search and they can filter by particular stats and they can see, oh, looks like there's an Ebola outbreak going on in South Africa right now. And it's not on the news yet, but you can just, you know, Google Ebola cases and how many reports of Ebola are being reported and all these connections, you know, I have some friends in, in who work in ERs and whatnot. And it's kind of like a, you know, we, actually, I don't even know that that goes in tinfoil hat territory. <laughs> but, <laughs> Do it. So, so suffice to say that, uh, you know, they give each other some glances, like this patient should not be here for this condition. You know, why is a 27 year old coming in for cancer? Why is this 25 year old coming in for chest pain? You know, why are these 32 year old, you know, coming in for, you know, these particular diseases that, they should not be having at all. And so, you know, there's a little bit of a, I guess you could say kind of an open secret that there might be something weird going on in, in the populations because, you know, younger people are getting diseases that they shouldn't. Um, so if this kind of system was implemented and standardized and used globally, 
you could see what's the rate of people under 35 going into ERs for chest pain and heart attacks. And so you don't have to rely on, you know, that would be an impossible question to answer with the systems we have today. But if we have it on some public available ledger, scrub from PII, PHI, you just need the data. You can see, oh, wow, we have a 20% increase of people under 35 coming in for heart attacks and chest pain. That's weird. And that, that could give you a clue to, for some further research and insight into what, what's causing all that. But as of right now, it's just, you know, tinfoil hat and secret whispers like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there, there must be something similar to that. I Obviously, not obviously, but I don't, I don't think it's on a global scale. But there, there must absolutely be like a central repository for research or, or something. Right. Mm-hmm. There, it just must be. Uh, yeah. I don't know, but I think having it in on on the blockchain, it's it's hugely more beneficial, and and just because of the, the reasons that we listed. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think having that data to do trend analysis and and bits and pieces again, um, mm-hmm. very very important, and, and could help help prevent things. But uh, we just need to all stop eating microplastics and injecting ourselves with mercury. I, I think, and then we'll be perfectly healthy. Yeah, yeah, I, I can't disagree with you on that. I mean, I, maybe we shouldn't be, you know, drinking and chugging pesticides, you know, <laughs> you know, eating beef that, you know, cows are eating shit that they never eat. And now we're eating that and they're dying of <laughs> the pulp of antibiotics. And oh, God. yeah, you mean spraying our fields with Roundoff is is not good and then ingesting all of that? Who, yeah, who would have thought it? Yeah, pumping a cow full of these artificial hormones and then eating the, the meat that comes from that. Like, that's totally fine, right? <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. So here's, here's, anyway. here's a thought experiment for you. Because I always like to, to challenge you on, on these podcasts. <laughs> I think where there's illness, there is a way to make money for the patient. I want an NFT based on all of my illnesses that I've ever had. Mm. So every single person on here uploading their data gets an NFT of all of their stuff. And the sicker you are, Technically, the more rare your NFT is going to be. So if you had Ebola, broken arm, brain hemorrhage, mm-hmm. and you survived, <laughs> you could then sell sell your, your yeah. NFT Survivor token. Market. Yeah. Yeah, that's um, actually, um, yeah, actually, so there was an article that touched on that. I forget which article, so I'm not even going to try to find it. I'm just going to go off memory, but it's the use of DAOs for healthcare which is an amazing concept. And it's something I was actually thinking about for one of my friends. Uh, she was the example of the 27-year-old who was you know, dying of cancer out of nowhere. You can create DAOs over very specific diagnoses. So in the healthcare system, there's this thing called the ICD-10 code. So basically, to lighten the mood a bit, I, I actually have this prepped for you. So there's an ICD-10 code for just about every possible condition a human being can experience. And I have a couple of them if you want to hear it. Yeah, go for it. Uh, ICD-10 code, Victor 97.33 X-ray Delta. Sucked into jet engine, subsequent encounter. Subsequent encounter! <laughs> So that means someone somewhere was sucked into a jet engine, survived, and then they got sucked in again at some later point. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think I have seen the video of the, of the dude being sucked into the jet engine and coming out the other side. No way. I think oh. I've seen it. 
Yeah, yeah. well, that's probably the guy that made this ICD-10 code real. <laughs> yeah, and it's less than I walked into the other side of the plane. Yeah, there's another one, Yankee93.delta. Activities involved in arts and handcrafts. <laughs> so hot glue gun injuries and knitting needles. There's an ICD-10 code for that. <laughs> that's cool. That's cool. And you can just search for these, can you? Yeah, so uh, you can just look into ICD-10 codes. Uh, if you want to look for funny ones, the easier one would just be funny ICD-10 codes. And there's a whole bunch of one. I think my favorite is uh, Romeo 46.1, bizarre personal appearance. <laughs> <laughs> it's a medical condition. You're, you're ugly. <laughs> so it's a medical problem. <laughs> Uh, I like I like this one W5601XA bitten by dolphin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or to whiskey 61.62x3 delta struck by duck subsequent encounter. <laughs> yeah, this one this one is a bit of an oxymoron. It's V9107XA burn due to water skis on fire. Yes, that's another one. <laughs> yeah, so basically all this has this where all this work has already been done. So if you have any kind of medical condition, no matter how bizarre or unique, there's an ICD-10 code, and they're actually creating the ICD-11. I think it's already out. Um, but what that means is you can create a DAO centered around this particular ICD-10 code, or maybe some that are similar around it. And there, you can create an organization similar to. You know, ALS, where they're 100% focused on ALS or breast cancer awareness, 100% focused on that. So you can create an NFT project around this. So like if you survived it or you're diagnosed, you're currently going through it, you can have researchers get into that DAO so they can use these people for, hey, we got this research. If you're willing to ask a few questions, we'll pay you some money. Uh, you can sell a bunch of your information dealt and, you know, if you have a particular blood type or particular demographic, that would help researchers out to help understand these particular genetics. So you can make an income from this diagnosis if you're part of this ICD-10 code DAO, as well, as well as all the emotional support, all the resources you need, localized for your country, nation, city, jurisdiction, uh, whatever, what have you. So that is one way where blockchain could be a huge help. Because at least in the US, <laughs> uh, GoFundMe is basically how we help people out nowadays who can't afford <laughs> You got two choices, bankruptcy or GoFundMe, or be a research guinea pig. Unfortunately, my friend, she had to opt for the research guinea pig with the GoFundMe. Um, so, you know, they're pumping her with a bunch of experimental treatments just so she doesn't have to bear the brunt of a, a standard uh, treatment, which is the unfortunate state of how it is. But you can imagine a DAO centered around this particular condition and do you, do you, how huge do you, do you that think you can have it like in, in the crypto world, NFT world, you will buy an NFT or the token because you know who's in that DAO and you want access to them. So, for example, if you knew mm -hmm. Michael Jordan had the ICD code for hitting face with basketball mm -hmm. and got broken nose or, or, or whatever, mm -hmm. would you find people deliberately getting injured to match up with these ITT 10 codes to join the DAOs that these famous <laughs> people are in just to get access to them. I mean, I, I could imagine if, if, if it does come to that point, I, I don't see why not, especially if it's like maybe like a code that people care about because, you know, you got the celebrities who have their pet charities and whatnot. So yeah, if Michael Jordan really cares about 
broken noses due to basketball injury <laughs> and wants to talk about it. I imagine the reason why he would be in there would to be giving people emotional support, perspective, maybe some make-a-wish conditions, you know, maybe some, you know, third grader or something really wants to see Michael Jordan. And so their family gets them into that discord and they chit chat with Michael Jordan. Uh, and while he's okay, so, 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 so what I mean is to, oh, to get access to the DAO, you have to have had the injury happen to you. I would imagine that that would be based off the DAO and how they want to operate. I mean, that's the yeah. that's the beauty of it, right? You, you know, you, I I would want to be part of the Bitten by Dolphin crew. <laughs> right, exactly. I would just to hang out and just be like, so what, what's this all about? What's it like? Do you have a video? Like, do you have pictures? And what what did they do? I I could see it as like a educational resource combined with a bit of a morbid curiosity. <laughs> I would imagine, <laughs> and I mean, it, it would only help. The project, right? I would imagine it'd be similar to the ALS, you know, the ice bucket challenge, where people have their various reasons to do it and whatever. Maybe it's just a fad, but the end is state is ALS. That organization now has a ton of money to do research and help people out who actually have the condition. So, my opinion is, does it matter? <laughs> I mean, you you bought the NFT, so you gave that project that royalty. So you gave that group and organization more funds to work with for research and health and welfare and all that. True. True. Yeah. I think so that's what else are, what else are we we running out of yeah. running out of benefits for today? Yeah, I mean each of these topics could really be their own episode. I think this is a really good overview of of everything. Well, not everything, but at least the ones that really stood out to me. Um, research the ability, if we have the standardized public-facing data set, research, pandemic prevention, this awareness of diseases that are spreading. Uh, if you're going to go on a vacation in a particular region, you can just go onto the blockchain site and see, oh, they have a huge spike in whatever, you know, Zika or whatever. Um, improve interoperability. So you go to emergency room anywhere in the world, they have your information. Uh, enhance data security. And you get to choose who gets access to your health information rather than Zuckerberg profiting. I mean, these are all huge benefits of it. And we didn't even t touch the, this is just the tip of the iceberg. We didn't even get into the details of some of these articles and what Deloitte pushed out. But this was the big, big picture idea. I imagine in the future, we can maybe do some more in-depth episodes on particular aspects. And there's a whole slew of blockchain healthcare-oriented companies out there right now. We have a huge list. There's like a list of at least the top 30 with all the specific lanes are going down and each one of those could be their own episode, honestly. But yeah, I, I, I think that's a good summary of everything that we've talked about. <laughs> yeah, man, I think that's a, a perfect summary. Do we have any parting words for our audience today? Oh yeah. Well, I guess we're talking about healthcare is like, uh, no one's going to care about your health more than yourself. Uh, you know, this is the only vehicle that you have, you know, you only have one car to take you through the rest of your life. So treat it well. <laughs> and what, you know, you put shit in, shit comes out. If you put good stuff in, good stuff comes out. So it's just changing, Absolutely. changing our health to really prioritize our health rather than getting stuck in the quagmire, at least in the U S in the UK, I'm sure you can do whatever you want. <laughs> Yes, I, I go skydiving because I've got no fear of, of a bill if I break my legs at the bottom. But uh, it's never the skydive that kills you. It's the, the sudden stop at the end. Yes. <laughs> I think that's, uh, what was it? Uh, well, the car dudes. Oh, why am I forgetting the name? The three car dudes. They do the grand tour now, but it was called something else before. 
Oh. Oh, you do. I should 100% know this. You should this. know this. this. Why Mary am I... Clarkson and Hamilton. It... Yeah. And, uh, it was, uh, I, know, I can't remember now. Top, top Gear? Top Gear, Top Gear. Top yeah. Gear, yeah. <laughs> it's not going fast that kills you, it's the sudden stop. <laughs> <laughs> and in true Clarkson fashion, on that bombshell, let's hit the outro. Yes. If you like this episode, make sure to head on Spotify and give us five stars. Like it, share it, do what you want. We'll look to maybe do a little thread to expand on these topics on Twitter here. But other than that, uh, any parting words for you, Omega? Uh, Stay healthy. Don't be scared to go to the doctors. Don't go back. I've been Quesarito. I've been Omega. And we'll catch you next time.